had spread through their ranks. They were on their guard. The subconscious offensiveness of their attitude has constituted old Jolien's home the psychological moment of the family history, made it the prelude of their drama. The Forsytes were resentful of something, not individually, but as a family. This resentment expressed itself in an added perfection of raiment, an exuberance of family cordiality, an exaggeration of family importance, and the sniff. Danger, so indispensable in bringing up the fundamental quality of any society, group, or individual, was what the foresight scented. The premonition of danger put a burnish on their armour. For the first time, as a family, they appeared to have an instinct of being in contact with some strange and unsafe thing. Over against the piano, a man of bulk and stature was wearing two waistcoats on his wide chest, two waistcoats and a ruby pin, instead of the single satin waistcoat and diamond pin of more usual occasions, and his shaven, square old face the colour of pale leather, with pale eyes, had its most dignified look above his satin stock. This was Swithin Forsyte. Close to the window, where he could get more than his fair share of fresh air, the other twin, James, the fat and the lean of it, old Jolien called these brothers, like the bulky Swithin over six feet in height, but very lean, as though destined from his birth to strike a balance and maintain an average, brooded over the scene with his permanent stoop. His grey eyes had an air of fixed absorption in some secret worry, broken at intervals by a rapid, shifting scrutiny of surrounding facts. His cheeks, thinned by two parallel folds, and a long, clean-shaven upper lip were framed within dundreary whiskers. In his hands he turned and turned a piece of china. Not far off, listening to a lady in brown, his only son, Soames, pale and well-shaved, dark-haired, rather bald, had poked his chin up sideways, carrying his nose without a forced appearance of sniff, as though despising an egg which he knew he could not digest. Behind him his cousin, the tall George, son of the fifth Forsyte, Roger, had a quilpish look on his fleshy face, pondering one of his sardonic jests. Something inherent to the occasion had affected them all. Seated in a row close to one another were three ladies, Aunts Anne, Hester, the two Forsyte maids, and Julie, short for Julia, who, not in first youth, had so far forgotten herself as to marry Septimus Small, a man of poor constitution. She had survived him for many years. With her elder and younger sister, she lived now in the house of Timothy, her sixth and youngest brother, on the Bayswater Road. Each of these ladies held fans in their hands, and each, with some touch of colour, some emphatic feather or brooch, testified to the solemnity of the opportunity. In the centre of the room, under the chandelier, as became a host, stood the head of the family, old Julian himself. Eighty years of age, 
with his fine white hair, his dome-like forehead, his little dark grey eyes, and an immense white moustache, which drooped and spread below the level of his strong jaw. He had a patriarchal look, and, in spite of lean cheeks and hollows at his temples, seemed master of perennial youth. He held himself extremely upright, and his shrewd, steady eyes had lost none of their clear shining. Thus he gave an impression of superiority to the doubts and dislikes of smaller men. Having had his own way for innumerable years, he had earned a prescriptive right to it. It would never have occurred to old Julian that it was necessary to wear a look of doubt or of defiance. Between him and the four other brothers who were present, James, Swithin, Nicholas and Roger, there was much...